Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Jeffrey Camis. He is the uh, fund manager for the uh, iBet Sports Gaming Betting and Gaming Exchange Traded Fund, symbol IBET. Welcome to the Money Answer Show, Jeffrey. Hey, Jordan, thanks for having me. Excited to be on the show. Just start with your background a little bit and how you got into this. Well, I love sports, like many. Played high school and a lot of baseball. And uh, back in the, in, the, in the 1990s, I started a fantasy sports company. I've always been into analytics. I ran that for 15 years. Uh, I, I started an advisory about four years ago, investment advisory, where I managed private wealth. And during COVID, I was kind of like everybody else, staying at home and thinking of things I wanted to do and noticed how sports betting legalization had grown state by state and was going to continue to grow until we probably reached 48 to 49 states. I just thought there's an opportunity here to maybe launch a fund uh, of gambling, sports betting and gaming stocks and iGaming stocks and uh, launch it on NASDAQ. And that's what I came up with. So let's start with the overall view of sports betting. Give me a sense of uh, where the market is today as far as revenues and what kind of growth potential you think it has over, say, the next five years or so. Well, I think the anticipated cager for sports betting, and, and keep in mind my fund, iBet, is uh, uh, trades global stocks. So when you talk about the marketplace in somewhere like London or Australia or Sweden, you know they've had it legalized for many years. In U.S., really since only a couple of years when – we uh, we started legalizing. We, we're going state by state now, and it's growing dramatically. And we we still have three big states left to tumble over and legalize. The biggest one coming up is California, which has ballot initiatives in November. And then we also have Texas and Florida. And both of those states, especially Texas, will probably be one of the last of the big ones. Florida and California both have some tribal gaming issues they have to resolve. So whatever they legislate eventually will probably incorporate some of the tribal respects that they have to take uh, care of. But the growth is huge. Um, I would tell you that most of the states realize, because this is a state-by-state -state issue, that they don't really want revenue going over the border. And what was happening a lot in New York is that people were going to New Jersey. Even if they had to go over the bridge, they were going to wager. And people, friends of mine who live in that area, I live in California, but friends of mine who live in that area would tell me how people Sunday morning before the game would go over across you know, the bridge to go wager legally, and then they would return back to New York. So state by state, people don't want to lose to the border. And when New York legalized in December-ish, they did a billion dollars worth of handles in one month, in their very first month. And of course, that's during the football season. That's a huge catalyst. So anytime we get NFL or college football, March Madness, those are the big catalysts that really drive revenue and wagering and sports betting. So uh, I guess one state doesn't want to lose to another, but isn't there a concern that you're going to get people hooked on betting and it's it's uh, negative for them and I mean there are still people who don't think betting is such a great idea right I don't think I think one of the things is we saw this in fantasy sports I think what we're seeing in betting too uh, when I started my fantasy sports company really what it was was that was an idea to sort of take part in the game but not at a big stake I can tell you that many of the people that I know that wager wager five dollars they're not wagering their rent or things like that People are wagering just to be part of it. My, my son lives in Arizona, so he can legally gamble, and he wagers small amounts um, on games. And he's just, just for fun. You know, He wants to watch the game, and it makes it a little more interesting. I mean, of course, there's always a responsibility issue, and I think the industry is trying to make education and information available. 
I always talk about wagering. I do a wagering show as well. And I talk about, you know, how to really be good with money management, how to be respectful, not to chase bets, you know, and then there's always going to be addictions, whether it's an alcohol or anything we legalize, that's always going to happen, unfortunately. And I think like the California bill, actually, um, their tax revenue is going to go to mental health and awareness. And living in California, we used to see thousands of people in these kind of shanty little makeshift towns under, you know, parkways. And, and that's who they'd be helping. So I think, yeah, there is that concern and it has to be done responsibly. And on all the apps that I've seen, there are responsible announcements talking about different things. And the industry does not allow targeting of those types of players as well. So I think there are some things built in, but like anything that's abused, alcohol or you know, uh, tobacco or anything like that, there is a responsibility, of course. So how does sports gaming fit into the overall gaming situation? I mean, what percent of all gaming revenue is sports betting and uh, growth rate of sports betting versus overall gaming? Oh, it's it's 75 or 80%. It is the largest growing sector because, you know, we have, if you look at the industry, what's happening is a lot of these media companies are being paired with the sports betting. You'll, if you watch something like Fox, you'll see that they have their own Fox bets. They have their own interconnected network for gaming. And you see the Fox actually created that USFL league, which I don't think did extremely well in terms of viewership, but it was creating another opportunity to wager on football. And so what you're seeing now is the sports are driving it. And, you know, especially, you know, the NFL is, is the kingpin. And then you have, you know, European soccer, of course, but even like tennis, tennis is the fourth bet on sport globally, which, which actually surprised me. I read that article. I knew it was high, but I didn't realize it was like fourth or fifth. But sports betting definitely is a large slice of this pie. And because of it, you know, because the growth of it really is um, on your phone. People, people don't aren't in casinos. The, I tell people all the time that the wa wagering now is really just on our phones. Um, the resorts are the rewards. So if you if you're my son gets comped to go to like uh, Vegas now, because he even if he bets like five or ten dollars, MGM will say, hey, do you want a free room at one of the hotels? And so. Well, that's how Vegas is being treated. A lot of this is done on your phone, and a lot of it is driven by sports betting. So people are betting on more than the outcome of the games. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. What, what are some of the other things that they're betting on? Well, there's like the exotics. I would call them the exotics, or they're kind of like these stranger bets. You know, people bet on the elections. People bet on draft picks now. Um, there are a lot of different kind of interesting bets you can bet on. In I'm in Chicago, actually, right now. I'm doing some travel and seeing spending some time with family, but you can bet on all different kinds of things like who's going to win the home run derby and there's different outcomes. And I think, you know, there's a company um, that was in our portfolio earlier in the year. It was called Fubo TV. Fubo TV was uh, essentially a, a media company that started doing football. That's where the Fubo comes from. They were doing European soccer and essentially they're, they've announced a plan to have betting within their platform. And what I can see is interactive betting. So you can have things like maybe in a, during a football game, you may bet on the field goal. You may be about on the team getting a first down. One of the things that I think is kind of interesting, and I've used it myself because I do love betting on sports myself, is this ability to live bet or to cash out bets. Because what happens is, and I actually got burned this weekend. I was watching the, uh, the, the British Open, which was on recently, and I had Cam Smith, who was the eventual winner in the, in the contest, and I was being smart, so I cashed out my bet. And I would have won several more hundreds of dollars if I had kept it through the weekend, but I thought it was a smart bet to take it and I cashed it out. So a lot of what they're doing now in wagering are these live bets that kind of change inner contest. And they're also doing these abilities to cash these bets out. 
which in this case, I had kept my Rory McIlroy, which didn't work out. And I did, did cash into Cam Smith. That was kind of not a great bet, but that's the way it goes. Mm-hmm. So why is an ETF uh, that you have, which is the iBet uh, sports gaming and sports betting and gaming ETF, why is that the best way for people to play uh, this trend? Well, especially knowing that my ETF is active because we've done several things in the portfolio. We do have a competitor in this space, but we've done several things in the portfolio that, and our, and our, our numbers are, are slightly better than our competitor or greatly better because we have been active. And the way the ETF is, there's so many, this is really evolving. Um, when right now we're in a marketplace where there aren't a lot of IPOs, but what we saw in the last couple of years is, is an IPO every month or two just in sports betting and gaming. So we're seeing a lot of companies come to fruition in the space. Well, what that does is there's a lot of new carve outs for territory. There's a lot, a lot of uh, new legislative issues. So it really is important. You may, there's going to be winners, but there will be some losers too. So the ETF kind of gives you a diversified look at the space so that you can grab the overall cager over time without being exposed to something like just DraftKings. You know, when we, um, earlier in the year, when we knew that U.S. stocks were going to continue to tumble, especially in this space, because the word on the street about these were customer acquisition costs. Well, they've gotten a lot wiser in terms of customer acquisition costs. They're doing strategic partnerships now. But when we knew those were going to drop, we, we shifted a little bit in our active portfolio and went to more of the European holdings, which are more established companies, which had created all these great affiliate relationships and all these different ways to partnership rather than just giving people free money to bed and spending a lot of advertising money, which DraftKings became kind of the, the poster child for bad behavior when they did their SPAC and then they raised a lot of money and, you know, had spent a ton of money on advertising. But, and so, but, but overall, this space is going to have winners and losers, just like any space. And there's going to be consolidations, but you don't necessarily want to fall to the knife on one of those. You'd rather get the industry average or the return that is expected by getting a diversified portfolio. So rather than being just in something like DraftKings or Penn National Gaming, take an ETF like iBet and then get the exposure to the entire industry to diversify your risk. So you came public in January, I think it was, of this year at about $15 a share. Is that correct? We, we came public November 17th, so pretty close, yeah. Um, and now it's roughly eight and change, something like that. Yeah. Uh, so so has it been driv- driven down by the NASDAQ market in general, or what have been the forces making the, the share price fall 40-some percent? Well, I really think, honestly, we diversified a lot to get to have more of the lower PE earning companies. I think what it is is in this industry right now, I think most people understand a couple of the holdings. They understand DraftKings or Penn National Gaming, or they know what they are. I think there's a lot of companies in here that are actually have done really well, like Boyd's Gaming, which owns the Fremont Street Hotel. Their numbers are really good. And a lot of these European companies are really good. But I think it's a misunderstanding of the marketplace. You know, they have that analogy all the time. And they talk about what inning an industry is in. To me, this is an inning zero. You know, this is people are still learning a lot about it. They're trying to understand it. They're, they don't really know what the marketplace is. They don't know a lot of the holdings or the companies. But the ecosystem then is involved in technology or like maybe like, like energy where you have the battery makers, you have car park suppliers, like, a, like an EV car. It's the same kind of ecosystem. We have CRM companies, we have software companies, we have machine operators, we have people who provide for the service. It's a very big ecosystem. But a lot of people don't know the companies. You know MGM, maybe, you know Caesars, maybe you know Las Vegas Sands, maybe you know 5D, but there's a lot of companies in this space that actually have really good numbers. This industry is really designed to actually have high profitability because when you're doing all this business on your phone, it's really technology driven 
with good margins. Then we also had the other in, the other confluence, like if you're going to go the confluence of factors route, is you have China, and a lot of these companies like Win, and uh, Las Vegas Sands, Melco, which is a holding in the company, they have large exposure to, you know, to the China companies, Macau especially, which drives a lot of a lot of action. And so, as we see now, as China opens up, I know they just put shut down China again, Macau for another five days. They'd shut them down for a week. But as they open up, that's going to be a nice boost for this industry. And I think a lot of these companies, especially going into the NFL, college football season, are going to see some really good numbers. And they're starting to actually show better numbers as it goes on and on. So I think what it has, it's the confluence of factors, not understanding the marketplace and the China issues really have dragged some of these, some of these numbers down. Very good. We're going to take a break. This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Jeffrey Camis. He is the fund manager for the Sports Betting and Gaming Exchange Traded Fund, symbol IBET, uh, which is a way to play the whole trend towards sports betting and gaming. We'll be back after this. All around the world, tech companies are innovating and driving returns for investors. Our crowd analyzes companies across the global private market, selecting those with the greatest growth potential, then brings them to you. From personalized medicine to robotics to cybersecurity, where companies spend $150 billion a year, our crowd is identifying innovators so you can invest when growth potential is greatest, which is early. Our crowd is the fastest growing venture capital investment community. Our crowd's accredited investors have already used the platform to invest over $1 billion in growing tech companies. 21 of the portfolio companies are unicorns. And many of our crowd's members have benefited from over 50 IPOs or sale exits of portfolio companies. Now you can invest in Sotero, which has developed a patented new approach to data protection that eliminates the gaps of traditional methods securing any data asset, whether it's on-premise or in the cloud. Sotero is trusted by one of the world's largest pharmaceutical companies. Explore Sotero's potential at OURCROW.com slash answers. You can join our crowd for free at OURCROW.com slash answers. Join the fastest growing venture capital investment community at ourcrowd.com slash answers. Nobody likes the guy who says, I told you so. The guy in 1991 who said to you, invest in the internet, it's gonna be huge. Or the guy in 1997 who said, come on, this is gonna be big. They call it social media. And the guy in 2009 who said, I'm telling you, man, crypto is real. Now, I'm not gonna be that guy who says, I told you so. But I am telling you that there is a 21-year-old international company where you can become a global project partner, earning a passive income doing exactly what you're doing at this moment. No selling, no recruiting clients, no administering a business after hours. Visit www.mypassiveincome.life now. That's mypassiveincome.life. Don't let history repeat itself on this one. Earn a passive income. Now listen again. That's mypassiveincome.life. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality 
positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Jeffrey Camis. He is the fund manager at the Inherent Wealth Fund, uh, which is a sports uh, betting and gaming fund. The symbol for the fund is IBET. And I guess the website is inherentwealthfund.com. Correctly, Jeffrey? You got it. Yeah, very good. Welcome back to the show. So one of the things you talked about is partnerships, uh, that these sports gaming are, are partnering with other companies to bring in customers. Explain how that works. Maybe give us some recent examples of partnerships. Right. So what happened in the industry, when it, especially in the United States, what happened when uh, the legalization started happening is they would do a lot of broad-based advertising. You know, for example, my brother who doesn't really like sports. He thinks, you know, sports is the ballet. He asked me one day, he goes, what's DraftKings? And I'm like, why do you know about it? And what was happening is they were doing, these operators were doing a lot of broad-based advertising anywhere they could. And they found that that's really not the way to grow the business. The way to grow the business the right way or the way they, they did it in Europe and Australia is through affiliate and also partnerships, strategic partnerships with professional franchises. And that's become the commonplace. I know that in California, many of the big companies that are going to California are talking about, you know, teaming up with some of these teams, whether it's the Angels and or the Dodgers or the Giants or the football clubs, you know, the 49ers, the Chargers. There's so many in California. Each team eventually in the NFL that has a, is in a legal state for sports betting or wagering is going to have a kiosk or something in their stadium. Recently, the Cubs, they just, they just started building um, – a kiosk, actually probably like a, a betting lounge or whatever you want to call it, in Wrigley Field with DraftKings. And that's going to be the strategic partnership. You just saw the Cincinnati Bengals. They were the very first team to apply for a Class A gambling license for sports betting. Now, that's kind of like beyond when you think about it 10 years ago. You would have never thought that a team that has a professional sporting team would be allowed to be in, in this industry, but that's changed. And so... The Bengals did end up partnering with somebody, but that's actually a Class A license. No one's ever applied for that before. But the Bengals did a, did do a partnership with a company, and they will have a kiosk as well in their stadium. And that's going to be the new trend because why recreate the wheel? Why not go right to the heart of the matter? And that's what it is. And you get involved with these teams. You have the affiliations. People feel the comfort level because it's with the, the sports team. And thereby, we'll just go and accept it as it is, and then they'll get that natural advertising. And that, and that really is a smart way to build these businesses. And yes, of course, the NFL teams are benefiting too, or the professional baseball teams, because they're getting a portion of the wagering. I don't have the exact details on those contracts. They'd vary by place. But you can be sure that if you're going to do a kiosk in New York uh, in the Yankee Stadium, that's going to be a very valuable thing to the Yankees. So what happens at those kiosks when you go up to the kiosk in the stadium? Well, you can you can place your wages on anything. You know, if you're in the if you're in the stadiums, but a lot of them are more than when I say kiosk, of course, they're going to have terminals. But you think of it more as not just the kiosk, but they're going to have lounges. 
So you can have an experience there, right? So it'll be the DraftKings Lounge where you can have a beer, watch the game, but then also bet on an out-of-town game or bet on something else in the in, in sports. And of course, they're going to create their loyalty programs with you as well so that you stay connected to them. And I think you know that's the smarter way to build these businesses, and that's what we're seeing take place right now. Probably the biggest and longest term sports betting has been horse racing. Is that a still big part of the whole picture? You know what's funny is, yeah, we have Churchill Downs, which is uh, ticker symbol CHDN as part of the portfolio uh, for the IBET ETF that, that we're running. But you know what's funny is, I don't know if you know this answer, and I'm going to ask you a question. You know, in the 1920s, you know what the two biggest sports were? I would say baseball and horse racing. Okay, you're, you got that one right, but the second one was boxing. So in the 20s, the two biggest sports were horse, race, horse racing and, 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 and boxing. And of course, they're, they're great stories. You know, they tell great stories. And, I, and all those great movies are from those days, like the great Seabiscuit movie or any of those movies are from the way back when, especially the Depression era kind of horse like that, like that one. But yeah, it's still a big part of it, definitely. But, you know, sports wagering overall is still a bigger part of it. People are not as tuned into horse racing as they are in terms of like betting on an NFL team because – we all have those NFL teams. We, we grew up with them. We grew up the teams in our local cities. We don't all grow up with horses necessarily going to the racetrack. I do love a wager on horse racing myself, but I am a very novice horse racing wagerer myself. I would think by revenue, it's been around for a long time, horse racing would be a pretty big part of the, the industry. It is up there, but I think it's, I want to say when I looked at this list last time, it was somewhere around sixth or seventh when you think about it globally. It's still up there. But yeah. I was surprised again how high tennis is. Tennis being like fourth, because I ask people all the time. I love tennis because I play, but I ask people all the time if I if they bet it, and they're like, "No, I never have." But I think it may be more European. And of course, anything that goes all year round, which tennis pretty much has no off season, is going to have a lot of people because if people like to wager, they're going to look for something to wager on, and there's almost always a tennis match you can wager on. Now Disney has entered the sports betting uh, situation recently. How have they done that? And what's the impact on the overall market? Well, it's pretty interesting. Um, Disney, of course, owns ESPN. And so that's a natural place because I believe the way that to build these businesses now is to have a media company, to be attached to media. So I think anything that has media in a legalized way where you can participate in online wagering, you're going to have some type of wagering company, especially if you have sports. So I think Disney, it kind of is like, you know, I, I used the phrase one time is kind of brings Wall Street to Main Street or investing. You know, because Disney is going to have, be incorporating more and more, you know, whether it's on their Disney Plus or any other TV packages, they're going to start incorporating more and more this aspect of gambling. And, and they have a wagering show on ESPN, but they were very slow to do it. I think there were some organizational issues probably with Disney not knowing how to really work with ESPN. I don't think that's been the greatest investment for them over time, but I think there's still a lot of opportunity there. Obviously, it's one of the largest sports networks in the world. And so there's plenty of opportunities. There's plenty of media opportunities. How they're going to integrate it, it's still very new. They really only started announcing this somewhere in October of last year. So they're probably still figuring it out. But no doubt they're going to have some kind of a, an app or a way to wager. And you're going to see it. But I, I don't have a lot of the details on it yet. But definitely, it, it, I think there's a surety or, or a confidence you have if someone like Disney is backing up something you're doing. And I always think of that joke of the, you know, the, the bookie like a Mickey Mouse bookie, you know, with the sideways hat and a cigar, keeping book in the back room. <laughs> but that's what I think of it when I when I hear it. But yeah, certainly it brings it to a more acceptable light. And are there some other major companies 
uh, public companies, uh, not pure betting ones, but media companies that are kind of getting into the field that Disney has. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I always think there's there's one thing that's coming up that's kind of interesting. U.S. Um, forever DirecTV had this NFL package, which was a real a key holding for them. This this Sunday ticket that's coming up for grabs after this year. There's been some talk about a couple different people. There's only really two companies who can afford to buy this. It's Apple and Amazon. They both have obviously they have media channels and streaming services. And both would love to add that. Apple's added a lot of baseball and a lot of their sports programming. And I would think whoever wins that is going to have wagering. Now, for whatever reason, DirecTV missed it. They never did it. But they missed a lot of opportunities. That hasn't been the greatest investment for AT&T. Probably didn't have the vision to really know what to do with it. But they're going to lose that programming. And it'll either be Amazon or Apple probably who wins that. It'll be very interesting to see what happens with wagering there. I think they're going to get into it as well. And again, I think anybody who has a media company is going to see the benefits of it and will go there. Is Amazon already involved in sports betting somehow? Not at all, really. Except right. that it's probably done on millions of their servers in AWS. <laughs> yes. yes. Or Apple the same has not been involved in sports betting. No, there's no announcement. This is me looking into the future because it just makes sense, especially if they have that. Whoever wins that prize, which is the Sunday ticket, which is a huge thing. I mean, that was the only thing that really sold those dishes. I mean, if you look back at the history of DirecTV, that moved those dishes. When they signed that contract, that was just pure genius because that's what I bought. I bought mine in the 90s for that, you know, and, and people kept their dishes for that NFL Sunday ticket. No. Now, recently, the Cosmopolitan Hotel, that whole big complex, I think it cost $5 billion or so to build, uh, was uh, sold to MGM and uh, Penn National was also. Tell us what's behind that purchase. Well, it's, it's really strategically smart. I've stayed at that hotel. I'm too old for it, to be honest. It, it's a younger demographic. It's usually, they want 25 to 35 year olds. And it makes so much sense to have that demographic in sports betting, online gaming, and you know, I, using where it's on your phone. It's the younger demographic that's gonna continue to move this industry. And Penn, Penn was, of course, they were upset they were bidding for it. But if you really know the history of it, you know, there's a company called Vici Properties, which essentially owns all the land in Las Vegas. They own all the casino territory or a lot of it in Las Vegas and other places in the U.S. And Vici Properties, one of their biggest tenants, of course, is MGM. So if they had anything to say in it, I'm sure that that probably was enough to tick it over to say, hey, MGM. And I know that Vici was super happy with MGM because they never didn't pay during the during the COVID crisis. They always paid their bills. So I'm sure having them in pocket was a much safer decision for them to make. And yeah, that did take place. And I believe it was something like a BlackRock or somebody who owned that Cosmopolitan at the end when they were sold. But yeah, interesting property, very younger demographic for the strip, for sure. And there's a lot of sports betting going on there. Absolutely. Yeah, indeed. Okay, we're going to take another break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Jeffrey Kamis. He is the fund manager at the Inherent Wealth Fund, which is a fund devoted, devoted to sports betting and gaming. Uh, the uh, symbol for the ETF is IBET. And you can also look at their website, which is inherentwealthfund.com. We'll be back after this. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Do you? 
or someone you love have a life insurance policy that's no longer needed or not affordable? Did you know that you can sell your policy for cash? Your reason for buying life insurance has probably changed. Thousands of Americans turn to life insurance settlements to help sell their policies. They act as your representative, getting the highest market offer for you. You've got nothing to lose by simply inquiring. If you're over 64 with $100,000 or more of life insurance, you may already qualify. Call 877-485-6681 to get your free non-binding appraisal or visit FundingLife.com. Life Insurance Settlements. Discover the true value of your life insurance. 877-485-6681. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Jeffrey Camis. He is the fund manager at the Inherent Wealth Fund, uh, which is a sports betting and gaming exchange-traded fund, the symbol IBET. You can find out more at their website, inherentwealthfund.com. Welcome back to the show, Jeffrey. Hey, thank you for having me. How, how many issues do you have in the portfolio today? I think we're at 38 right now. It's been active recently. I mean, we are active, so it's not changing on any quarterly schedule. Um, when I see news or something to respond to, um, I do it when I when I feel like I can. Uh, I think there's some interesting things happening in China, waiting for them to open up, kind of putting some more um, position towards Macau probably opening up in the next week or two. So I think, again, being active in this space really matters because there's so much going on. There's a thousand news stories a day. I was just reading a piece about India maybe going legal with some of these online gaming. So it's changing globally every single day. So I think being active really helps. So let's go through your top 10 holdings and what what you like about them particularly, at least as of the latest disclosure, Las Vegas Sands was your top holding. What do you like so much about Las Vegas Sands? Well, I mean, they're one of the largest, first of all. You know, it's one of the largest, and they're, they've they been really hurt by definitely their exposure to China. And I think that we have upped that position most recently because I do believe that when Macau opens up, you know, that that population is is a very, very heavy into gaming. And I do believe that has a long way to come back. These have retested their, their lows during covid and I think that that stock has a long way to go going forward. It's one of the largest companies in the in the universe of sports betting for sure, or or gaming in general. So, what is the Chinese attitude towards gaming? I thought they like it, but then they don't. They don't like rich people. And <laughs> I don't know if you can hold it down. I think that they are very voracious about it, and I think that it's part of they have to do business. And I think right now you see in China in general is that they went through their recession. They've already had two to three quarters of recession. And they're being very accommodating right now. And I think that will allow, you know, Macau, as they close again, they just gave another $2 billion to those businesses that are affected. 
to try to get them over the hump for the next couple of weeks as they shut down. I kind of wish they would do more of what we did, which was sort of do herd immunity because, you know, I got COVID in January when I went to Vegas myself. And, you know, I think that that's the way to get there, unfortunately, but they they have a different look at it, but yeah, but they're very, it's a voracious appetite there. I don't think that they can withstand or hold that back. Oh, your second biggest holding is Flutter Entertainment. Tell us about that one. Well, of course, Flutter owns FanDuel and all these other companies. And I would say they're one of the large players in the space. They're involved in every aspect. Every time there's a uh, a new state that opens up and legalizes, FanDuel is one of the ones. Eventually, we're going to see FanDuel go public on their own. But it is just not the right marketplace for individual IPOs. As you can see, the IPO market's pretty much dried up as there is no risk appetite for any of that right now, but they, they are a very large player in the space. Uh, is, are they doing well as a company? They are doing well. So FanDuel and DraftKings are the two biggest players, is that right? Well, I don't know. I mean, they're two of the larger players. I actually, in the portfolio, I really like Penn a little bit better because I think with their whole acquisition of Barstool Sports, I think that they really have a nice kind of in, in you know, they have their in-house kind of, marketing effort or distribution. And I think that that saves them on advertising. I think it was a really genius maneuver. I mean, that's how, you know, Dave Portnick started was essentially started a gambling newspaper. And then that turned into Barstool Sports much later. And they have a very, you know, uh, aggressive or voracious crowd that that loves gaming. And they talk about it a lot. And I think that was one of the genius ways that they did their strategic partnership by buying that. And so I think, I think their opportunity is great. I think that's a very undervalued company right now. DraftKings, of course, Again, that's the one most people know. I think at one time in Robinhood portfolios, it was the number one stock that was held in Robinhood portfolios. And of course it was because who had Robinhood portfolios? People like my kids, you know, it was their first investment and they bought some DraftKings. Now I think a lot of people got burned on that stock. It did go up. It, said, it was somewhere of six or seven X of where it is today. I do think there's a lot of growth. I think it's growing through growing pains. Again, I think the industry in general is in what I would call inning zero. You know, when they talk about the bull market rally, they'll say, are we in, now we're in obviously, we're in inning zero because we're in a bear market. But if we were gonna talk about where the bull market is, they used to ask that, and they'd say seventh inning or whatever and make it up. But this this industry is still in inning zero. We have a lot of customer acquisition going on. We have carve up of territories. And there's a lot of adjustments happening in the space every day. Again, that's why you don't want single stock exposure, especially in a space like this that's evolving so rapidly. So Penn National is also one of your bigger holdings. Uh, in addition to Barstool, what is the uh, com uh, com compelling reasons why you'd like Penn National? Well, I mean, they have strategic partnerships all over the U.S. They're they're in a lot of the casinos. They're spreading out. They're trying to get more properties. They try to acquire the Cosmopolitan. They're going to get their feet grounded somewhere in Vegas at some point. They have some affiliates with other companies there. And I just believe that where that where that company's valued is just too low for the for the kind of numbers they're doing. Another of your holdings is Evolution, which is, I guess, a Swedish company. What is the story there? Yeah, Evolution's a great company. I think that um, you know what they're doing essentially is they they do a lot of software, uh, consumer gaming service, and they have licensing. They're essentially a licensing company where they where they license to other casinos. They have solutions. They're solutions provider, and you know they have casinos and studios and a lot of software. So a lot of this, what's going on now is it's, um, there's a couple other companies that are sort of in the space where like Sports Radar, which do a lot of analytics and provide a lot of packaged software solutions to a lot of these companies. And that's a big part of what's going on in the space right now. Another of your companies is uh, the Lottery Corp, TLC. What is the story with that one? 
So there's two companies here. These, this is Australian. There were two companies, Lottery Corp and Tab Corp. So what happened here was there was a split. What I believe happened with Tab, the, they, they kind of did a demerger. Uh, Lottery Corp and Tab Corp. Tab Corp is the gaming side, you know, so they have casino gaming operations, iGaming. The Lottery Corporation was a, is a deep driving revenue. It's a hold that I have in the portfolio because, and I don't necessarily love this hold, but I love this hold because I think it's going to be bought out. I, the reason that I, had, from what I've read, the reason they split this up is because it is such a wealth generator. They wanted to kind of um, put them in different light. This makes the Lottery Corporation a very good buyout for some type of a BlackRock or a large wealth fund that's going to get, that wants that kind of generating of cash. It is a very, very good company. It does a lot of good revenue. But the Tab Corp part was more of the gaming, more of the speculative side. The Lottery Corp was more like an annuity. And I do believe at some point that that is being set up for a potential buyout. I think that that company can do very well, and I think it could be a very good buyout number. You also have holdings in Camby Group. Uh, tell us about that one. Yeah, it can be another interesting company for sure. Um, let me let me get some notes on Cambi. I think I just read some different things about it. You know, they're they they're considered like a they have solutions. They have business to business customers. So then they they acquire or they provide essentially like sports betting platforms, and they do a lot of risk management. So they'll help you set up your systems. So they offer a lot of technical aspects. Again, sort of like another part of the ecosystem that may not be in the front line like a Caesars but they're doing the back-end work for companies like Caesars or MGM or, or something like that. Okay, and then you have one called uh, Light and Wonder, Inc. Tell us about that one. Right, that used to be Scientific Games. And so they just got renamed recently. And of course, they're a big provider of machine technology in the space, whether it's gambling machines or, or any of the kind that will operate in a casino or software or iGaming platforms. So this is something that's, not only in, in a casino, but in your uh, cell phone, then. Absolutely. Yeah, they, 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 they're in, like, gaming, iGaming, and it, and it could be either, um, you know, the games that are, like, stand-up machines or in your phone. Exactly. Esports has become very big as well. There's a lot of game gambling related to esports. Is that a big part of the, uh, the field these days? Yeah, it's coming in. I mean, we're still, you know, as it gets more popular where people, you know, are aware that it's a wagerable activity, it will be bigger and bigger. And it's very interesting, certainly. Another of your holdings is called um, Betson AB. I guess that's a Swedish company as well. Yeah, Betson AB. They're, they're kind of like a holding company uh, and they invest in a lot of the online gaming companies. So they're sort of like a big money provider. But and they all they also offer some casino and sports books, but they do hold a lot of other companies as well. And then your tenth holding is MGM Resorts, which has got a lot of uh, casinos and so on. But is is sports betting important to them? Oh, absolutely. They're all spending money fighting for it, and it really what it is. It's the connection of the user back to the hotel. Um, I myself, while I'm in Chicago, I did not have a sports betting app because I can't do it legally in California. But when I came to Chicago. Uh, for the last week, I actually put MGM on my phone because it ties in my rewards points for my M Life rewards. And so they have a big, they've done a lot of advertising. They're growing their sports betting as well. They know that's where the future is. That's how they hang on to the user full time. And so, yeah, it's a big deal for all of these companies. I guess there is a competition for these traditional companies through Indian casinos. Is that a serious com competitive threat for them? For for the for which way um, well, in terms of going to the Indian reservations or right, people going to Indian reservations instead of 
MGM or Bally's or Penn National? I think I think that anybody who really knows, I think that anybody who knows what is a, is is really knowledgeable about wagering knows that the Indian casinos run their own kind of business and they have their own kind of actions that they could take and the better odds if you'd like to play <laughs> are at the regular casinos that are chartered or run by the states. It's much more fair. But I would tell you, yeah, it's a big competitor. In California now, we do have a lot of, uh, we have a legislative issue in California. It's going to be on the ballot in November to try to pass um, versions of sports betting. I think it's going to come down to different rules, you know, what they allow. Because that's what hap- what's happening state by state is we have 34 states that have legalization. Each state has a different nuance of what's legal. Some will allow you to go bet in person, some only online, some in a kiosk, some you have to have a relationship, some only on your phone. So it's very different state by state. In California, though, there's this big push by the Indian reservations to allow it only there. Like they want to allow, they, they're saying, well, hey, we don't want these other people coming from out of town, like FanDuel and DraftKings. Your kids will be much safer if they come into the Indian reservation and bet, which I think it's, well, it's a load of fooey, isn't it? But, but that's what they're trying to do. And the, of course, the Indian reservations know if, if they lose California to these other companies, they're going to be there. I wouldn't say they'd be decimated in terms of out of business, but they will definitely be financially hurt. So it's a big competition for sure. And you see it in Florida too. There's a lot of different uh, things going on with the tribal unions in, in Florida trying to fight, you know, other companies coming in their territory as well. So is this a resolution voters will vote on only to allow uh, gambling in the Indian reservations in California? Well, that's one of the that's one of the initiatives. It's it's very complicated if you read the ballot. Um, they're trying to just say, hey, do not allow it. The Indian reservations want the ballot to say that only sports betting will only be allowed in the Indian reservation gaming casinos. So what do you think is going to happen to that initiative? I think it's going to get carved up. <laughs> I think what's going to be with the way that California does things is that they will allow some type of thing. I think they're going to want some in-person thing, which is why I think the strategic partnerships are going to be key with the NFL teams. And these huge companies will pay that. The Indian casinos, some of them have money, like a Hard Rock, which is the huge tribal owned by the, the large tribe, Hard Rock. They might be able to do some of those partnerships. But most of them, I think, will come down to some type of in-person, but it's going to be a carve out. You're not going to get, neither party is going to get exactly what they want. I think in all fairness, the the Indian have some right to it, but I don't think that as a wager, that is not the place where you're going to get the best odds. I think if you talk about it like a marketplace, like investing in stocks, it's much more fair to have something legislated uh, by the state than it is for these Indian tribes to legislate it themselves. It's just like if you're gambling on a ship in, in, you know, outside of waters, um, that's some of the worst odds you can ever get. So I, I just think it's more fair to the consumer who really does want this product to have online gaming. I, but I do think that probably because of the different packs that are involved, they're going to probably have a carve out where they allow some of these companies to come in and maybe give the maybe give some kind of built-in thing to the Indian reservations as well. Very good. We're going to take another break. This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Jeffrey Kamis. He is the fund manager of the Inherent Wealth Fund. Uh, which is a fund aimed at uh, sports betting and gaming. Uh, The symbol for that fund is IBET, and you can also find out more at their website, inherentwealthfund.com. We'll be back after this. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. 
Are you a homeowner tired of making monthly mortgage payments with little progress towards paying down your principal? Does paying off your home in five to seven years without making larger or more frequent payments sound appealing? Paying off your home in full in five to seven years is really possible thanks to Truth in Equity's Mortgage Equity Optimization System, a money management approach that puts your money to work for you 24-7. If you own a home with some equity, have a decent credit score and verifiable income, you owe it to yourself to learn more about Truth in Equity's program. There's no need to replace your mortgage or refinance in many cases. The system works for new home purchases as well as current mortgages. Your home is your largest investment. Own it outright in five to seven years. Call Truth and Equity, 888-262-5540 or visit truthandequity.com, 888-262-5540. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Jeffrey Kamis. He is the fund manager at the Inherent Wealth Fund, which is a fund designed to capture sports betting and gaming. Uh, the symbol for his fund is IBET. Welcome back to the show, Jeffrey. Thank you for having me. We were talking about the Indians, particularly in California, but even around the country. Is this something where Indians are trying to fight back against the traditional companies to take back market share? Oh, yeah, for sure. I think in California, you see it. Um, they're running their campaigns to say that it's safer. Uh, at, you know, They're kind of running the, the classic uh, dispropaganda campaigns where you say something like, hey, do you really want your kids to be online all the time? But on the other hand, what the Indian reservations want is they want to allow you know people to come into their casinos. Uh, and I guess they're saying that underage people are going to actually be using those betting tools. But that's not really true. Um, you have to usually prove ID, and there's sort of certain things you have to do. But, yeah, they're fighting for it. I mean, I think they realize if they give up the, the sports betting and then the iGaming eventually that they're going to lose a lot of their market share and a lot of their regular consumers. And so they are fighting tooth and nail, definitely in states like California in states like Florida, for sure. Now, the whole market for digital, uh, for, for gaming, has kind of gone much more digital than it had been in the past. Talk about the digital transformation of, of the gambling industry. Well, that's really where it is, isn't it? I mean, the ability for myself to have placed those bets on the British Open uh, this last week, the one I wish I didn't cash in and the one I did cash in, uh, you know, but the ability to do that on my phone really creates this very effortless or low transaction cost for these companies. That's why these we think about it that way. That's why these are such great investments, because these companies for very inexpensive transaction essentially will be taking in these dollars or these wagers in this very simple way. And, the, and you know, it's 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 good for the consumer who wants to place maybe a five or ten dollar bet as well, because they can check different odds. You can have two or three sports sports apps on your phone. I know that in when I've talked to companies that are in who do like essentially affiliate marketing for a lot of these companies, they say that in Europe, most people have five or six sports betting apps on their phones who who enjoy this in the US. It's only two or three, but they expect that number to grow. And that's because in Europe, it's been around so much longer and legalized. But most people will want to have an aggregate number because point spreads can be different anywhere that it's wagered, you know, depending on the money they've taken in. And you'll see a half a point here, a half a point there. It makes a big deal on an NFL Sunday. 
So it is growing digitally. It's the revolution. You get a lot of things like these active or live bets, which if you ever bet with a bookie in your life before, you never could do that. Now you can go and change your bet halfway through the game. You can cash out your bet during the game. They have all these kind of uh, what you call like exotic bets where there, there are different things that may happen during the game. There's a bunch of different bets you can make on the home run derby, which is going to take place, you know, today, I believe. And, and, and it's just changed and it's revolutionized things. And the artificial intelligence that goes on in other industries is definitely happening in sports betting and gaming as well. So anything technologically advancing in this space is happening or in, in any space is happening in sports betting and wagering as well. So explain that a little bit. How does artificial intelligence impact the kind of experience people have in sports betting? Well, I think that they, I think that what they're doing with it in sports betting is they're coming up with these unique wagers and they're, and they're presenting them as options. And I also think they're presenting calculations so quickly in terms of what's happening in live betting. I don't believe as, and I would tell people this on my show, I don't believe that live wagering is in your best favor. I think the computer is way ahead of you. I think if you have an idea about a game, especially a sports game, and you know before, that's your best odds. In the in-game betting, I think that it's in their odds because they're calculating so much data. Like if you want to bet on halves, I think that that's, that's harder now because I think that they're coming up with these point spreads quicker and quicker. And this artificial intelligence is letting them calculate algorithms beyond capabilities of human ability. <laughs> so I think that that's where it's changing. You have a lot of companies like Sports Radar. They're not in the portfolio right now. I didn't like their price earnings currently for what we're doing, but that might be somebody who comes up and they're doing a lot of this type of um, artificial intelligence on a lot of the apps. You'll see their company come up. Definitely it's on the MGM one. It's a company called Sports Radar. And in the long run, most people probably lose at their bets. Is that correct? Um, I think that some will win, some will lose. Probably some people will lose more than they win. I think that's probably true. Yeah. Is that how you feel when you go to Vegas? Well, yeah. I mean, it's it's entertainment is what it is as far as I'm concerned. It's not a way to make a living. I think you're exactly right. I do know some people who are professional wagers, but I think that's a very limited few. You see a lot of it in the poker world for sure, where that's your occupation nowadays. And that's a very different game than, you know, wagering on a football game or playing a slot machine or something like that or iGaming for sure. Can you bet on poker players as well? You know what? That's not something I know you can do to be honest. And I have never seen that. I bet you can, but I do not know of that. And that's a good question. That's something I definitely should look into. I've never, I've never thought about doing that, but I bet you can find it. Don't you think you can bet on anything? So I bet you can find that too. You can bet on betters is what you're saying. There you go. Yes. Um, now there are some things that have uh, been taken off offshore because it was banned in uh, America. I, I forgot. What was it that was allowed but then banned as, as far as betting online uh, that, that had to go overseas. That's interesting. Are you talking about like online poker playing? I guess that's what it was, right? Yeah, I mean, well, online poker playing had that big thing, you know, many years ago where a lot of those people who were playing party poker and all those different companies essentially had all their money disappear overnight when the, when the Fed just said, hey, we're shutting it all down. And a lot of people lost hundreds of thousands of dollars. And now I think People who do it illegally, they'll do it with like a private VPN or try to do that. Um, that's not really what we're doing in the fund. But yeah, that is something that probably still goes on for sure. Is it possible that you would get federal regulation of sports betting instead of having it go state by state? You know, I think that's a really interesting comment. I actually was on another show a couple, you know, a few hours ago, and we talked about the same issue. I do believe it's coming down the pike because I believe that they would 
legislated at a split number. You know, a lot of these states have different tax tax uh, legislations as well. You know, in New York has a very expensive one. New Hampshire has a very expensive tax on the sports gaming companies. So I think that eventually it will be, happen. But I think there's going to be states that push back. I do not think that Utah will ever legalize. I think because of their 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 beliefs, their their Christian beliefs that they have there, I don't think they're ever going to allow it there. So I think there's going to be pushback. I do think it will eventually happen, though. Have states realized the revenues that they were expecting when they projected when they're going to legalize what they got? Have they, in fact, gotten what they were expecting? Absolutely. I think the states have been very happy, and that's why you're seeing other legislative action come into place, and 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 not not slowly, not like you usually see a bill that that dumps is dumped around back and forth. There's some states that have been slower, but states once they see the revenue and the tax benefit coming back to them to develop either streets, roads, school programs, health programs, they are they are seeking, they are seeing the benefit. Most of the states average around 20 to 25 percent. There are some states that tax at 50 percent, and that's New York, New Hampshire. And those are tougher states for the operators to make money in. But overall, yes, the states are doing very well with this. In the roughly two minutes we have left, why don't you just kind of summarize the opportunity to invest in the sports gaming world? Yeah, so investing in sports betting, gaming, or like the iBet ETF that I am running, there's a lot of opportunity. There's a lot of growth here. We're seeing 12 to 15% cager over the next five years. So the cumulative annual growth rate is going to be very good. Right now, um, a lot of these companies are, have spent a lot of money on investing in these technologies to, to get either the customer or to build up the systems. And we're going to see a lot of profitability coming this year in third and fourth quarters in companies that haven't showed a profit yet. I think that it's growing. We'll get close to 50 states. We may not get it all. We may get federal legislation at some point in the U.S. But combined with something like what I just mentioned, where India is going to have legalized sports betting or they're talking about it. There was a bill that was just written there where they're trying to see you know, how they feel about it. You're going to get more and more people doing this, and this will be more legal. So you'll have people betting on cricket. I think it's a growing thing that's here to stay, and the investment opportunity is, is excellent going forward, and it's just beginning. Very good. Well, thanks so much. My guest this hour has been Jeffrey Kamis. He is the uh, fund manager at the Inherent Wealth Fund, which specializes in sports uh, bet betting and gaming. Uh, the, uh, the symbol for the fund is IBET. Uh, you can also find out more at their website, inherentwealthfund.com. Thanks so much. We learned a lot about sports betting and gaming and the investment opportunity, Jeffrey. Thanks for having me. Thanks again. We'll be back next week with another edition of The Money Answer Show. Goodbye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and The Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.